On April 21st, Netflix dropped Rough Diamonds, the latest scripted series about Hasidic Jews. But the question is, is it good news for the Jews? Today, we are joined by writer Yuval Yefet and director Rotem Shamir, both co-creators of this co-production between Keshet International and Dimension for Netflix and VRT. You know Yuval and Rotem's work from Fauda, and we'll join them today to have a conversation of what does authentic Jewish depictions look like and what tropes are too dangerous for the Jewish people. So we want to welcome today, first off, um, my colleague over at the Jew in the City Hollywood Bureau, Cindy Kaplan, um, who was raised modern Orthodox and got the kind of wild idea to go into the entertainment world and has been a tremendous help with us uh, in growing this bureau, uh, is joining us today as a co-host and a special co-host uh, of Jew in the City Speaks. So, Cindy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And today, our special guests are writer Yuval Yafet and director Rotem Shamir. You have probably seen their work before on Fauda, which is a show I absolutely love. Um, and they are the writers and directors of this latest Netflix show, Rough Diamond. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Okay, so, um, you know, this show that you guys created is uh, pretty different in terms of the type of content we normally see, you know, uh, Orthodox Jews involved in, Hasidic Jews involved in. Um, so we wanted to know uh, what came first, the idea for a crime show set in the Diamond District or the idea for a show about Hasidic Jews in the Diamond District? Uh, I think the crime element in this show is more of, a, I would say, a plot-moving tool than anything else. We originally were fascinated by this combination of uh, the, the diamond trade world with the Hasidic Jews that happens in a very specific, very small area of Antwerp, Belgium. And we were exposed to that uh, unique world. And, and once we started uh, visiting there and researching, we understood that it's a uh, fertile place for, for many interesting stories. Yeah, the, the, the crime element came from research. From This is uh, you know a big part of reality in the city. And also on the dramatic side, uh, we always uh, say that the, the, the crime elements are like the fire under the pot. So the pot is everything that you see in the show, the family, what's really interesting uh, for us, you know, the dynamic within the, the, the family. But you need that fire to make everything move. If we didn't have the crime element, there would be no reason for that moment of confrontation that we so, you know, uh, wish to see between Ellie and Noah, for example. Now we just come and go back. And that's it. So in terms of the crime element being real, like, is this based on any real stories or scandals that came about in this city or in any of sort of the, the diamond circles that you researched? Yeah, definitely. There is uh, everything in the show is based on something that happened or, or a few things that happened in uh, on the crime side in uh, Antwerp. And some even we took from uh, the diamond bourse in Israel, things that happened here. And uh, the control of the uh, Albanian mob in the port, in the uh, uh, cocaine uh, uh, issue in, in in Antwerp, Antwerp being the, the gate to Europe, and also for cocaine. Smith's character. And uh, the, the whole storyline of the Smith's character is based on a real uh, prosecutor that uh, kind of went after the diamond uh, industry and faced a uh, uh, you know great uh, pushback from. Uh, from uh, his superiors, it was a man, in, in, and um, 
yeah, there, there is uh, there is a lot of scandals that within the the diamond district that some of which inspired elements that are late in the season. So I won't spoil them. So the listeners haven't seen the show, but they're also based on things that really happened. And to clarify, that the Hasidic Jews were involved in, or other people too, or was it specifically the Jews? Um, it, that that uh, element that's late in the season uh, is not. It was not connected specifically to Hasidic Jews now, but uh, uh, everything, you know, the things that are uh, connection between Jewish uh, diamond dealers and criminals is definitely uh, well documented. I don't think that's what we wanted to hear, <laughs> but it's good to like, know the truth of these stories. Um, but uh, but again, that's, that's, uh, uh, that doesn't, not for us and not in real life, I think, uh, paint everyone with, with that uh, color you know it's but it, it it happened within that community there were the people that did that yeah but it's important to say that when we approached the show we always knew like like Yuval said the you know that the crime element here is more about you know stirring up the pot and um the Wolfsons are basically like every family that has a big business or let's say a family empire that has been going on for generations are about preservation tradition family values um, you know, father and son relations, things that happen basically in every family and every family business. Um, they have found themselves with their back to the walls in such a predicament, in such a, a place. And by the way, not only the Wilsons, but in a way, their community and in a way, their entire business. Because the diamond business in the last 25 years have been to, to so many changes. You know, the, the Indians uh, coming over to Antwerp has taken a lot of the labor out of Antwerp and uh, into the east. Uh, there's a lot of more regulation now on the business. Um, uh, synthetic diamonds has, has taken a lot of the business. So basically, diamond industry has gone through, has been shaken down to its core. And the, the Jews in Antwerp has been dealing with diamonds for 400 years. So we're not talking about, you know, just a business that has been going on for a couple of uh, decades or something. We're talking about the fundamental economical base of an entire community being shaken to its core. And obviously, when things like that happen, it creates a lot of drama because families lose their, their, um, you know, their, their uh, bread and butter, and 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 they have to, to reinvent themselves professionally and, and financially. So, uh, yes, these elements of crime did exist, and yes, these elements of crime do exist in the show. But that's not what the show is about for us. The show for us is about a family trying to re-find their way and their path. Uh, and, and what leads them is uh, definitely not things like greed, for example. None of the characters in the show is about getting rich or taking over the world or anything like that. It's about preser preserving their, their um, you know, their family life. It's about preserving their family business. It's about the tradition and generation and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah the, the, the legacy. That's that's why, uh, uh, you know, Yona and Leon's character, Sarah says, you know, it's not about money. It's uh, it's in our blood. In our blood, that means that it's it's uh, generations in the family, and that's why it's important to to preserve it. There is not one character in the show, at least not one Jewish character in the show that is is motivated by greed. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that comes across very clearly. And one of the things that's sort of interesting to me is that like this is the first time we've seen those characters as Jewish like we have shows like power we have shows like breaking bad where the motivation is not really ever greed or anything underlying that no one wants to be criminal but there's these family tensions there's these medical tensions there's all of this 
other stuff and, and crime happens. And I feel like that's very similar to what happened, you know, with this family and in this show. Um, and so, it, you know, on, on the one hand, you, you see this and you're like, great, finally Jews get to be those characters. And especially in an industry where Jews are very present. But then on the other hand, there are like very real dangers to real life Jews. Specifically, you know, people who are visibly Orthodox tend to be more targeted. And when you think like from a, a perspective of someone who might be getting messaging of, you know, Jews are criminal, Jews are thieving, Jews like power, Jews like money. And then they see this and it sort of confirms that maybe they missed the point. So I'm curious, you know, like, is, you know, is this something you considered when making the show is, how do you feel about walking this line of? Well, of course, of course, this is something we considered. And of, of course, we did not take this uh, lightly at all. And this is something that we have been taking throughout the writing process and also through the shooting process. And I, you know, we found ourselves, I, I, you know, personally have sat through Shabbat dinners with people that had nothing to do with the show, just in order for this community to understand that, you know, if I'm going to try and tell their story, I'm not going to do it you know, without getting some of their uh, consent and, and, and understanding of what this show is really about. I personally, you know, and obviously this could be my opinion, people can, you know, not agree with that, think that it's worse not telling these stories at all than actually telling them by and thinking maybe I'm taking a risk that people will misunderstand them. And I'll tell you why, because I think eventually when people know nothing about you, they assume the worst. You know, people in Antwerp have been living around the Jewish community for many, many years, and they know nothing about them. It's almost for them like a zoo. They look to, to this other side. They live across the road from them. I've experienced this again and again, even with the crew in the, in the show. They live across the road from them, and they know nothing about their tradition, about their family. They just look like these foreign things that have their own little world and also keep a lot of their money to themselves because they deal with a, with a business money, with a money business orient, oriented like uh, time. Now, when you see a show like Diamonds, hopefully, you understand that they are like everybody else. They have, like everybody else, fears, motivations, passion, uh, you know, that motivates them. And it becomes, and then, and the most important thing is that emotionally, you become attached to them. And if you become attached emotionally to a character, then at the, by the end of the show, you, you love this character no matter what, what the origins are. So, in my opinion, we eventually did more for, you know, explaining. Uh, you know, the Jewish community in Antwerp than by just saying, let's not even touch the subject because it's a delicate subject. I think that's a little bit like putting your hand in the, your head in the sand. I think also uh, we, we've, get, we've been getting a lot of, uh, of great feedback from people, from the community and from Antwerp that, uh, you know, that, that they're really happy with the, the representation in the show. But I think that in general, going back to the, the, your question, when you see someone in the street that uh, after you saw the show, now you might think, oh, it's like Adina, that, that woman I love from the show. And then there is some warmth to the, yeah, maybe there will be an exchange or something that warms in the beginning. And I don't think it will confirm, you know, saying, oh, you are the thieves from the show because you're already not thinking of them in those terms, but in the terms of, uh, um, you know, the characters that you've been to, uh, you, you've been with them in, in, in kind moments, in family moments. So I think, uh, I, and I was going to say, um, the characters definitely are humanized um, and, you know, you do get invested in them, which I love because usually Hasidic characters are very flat. They don't smile. They don't, you're not really ever kind of brought into their home and into their joy and struggles. 
And I think Stissel did, you know, a lot of that. That was kind of groundbreaking like that. And I think this show in, you know, many positive ways um, captures some of that, you know, humanity and the layers of emotions. I guess, you know, as Cindy and I are trying to create a standard in the industry about, um, you know, tropes we're tired of, what we want to see more of, um, you did show us a lot of characters that we haven't seen before, you know, to your great credit. And I appreciate, you know, you doing the Shabbat dinners with the locals because it's important to get to know your subject matters, you know, and and become invested in them yourself. So, you know, Kola can vote for all of that. The question is, you know, I know the Muslim Pack Hollywood Bureau, you know, is tired of seeing the terrorist Muslim character over and over again. Um, you know, for the NAACP Hollywood Bureau, they're frustrated with seeing, you know, um, the single mother, you know, strung out on drugs. Um, for the Hispanic Bureau, they are so tired of like service workers, you know, for Hispanic depictions. I think, you know, what I'm struggling with here, because the question that comes up for me also is in terms of censorship. Do you want to censor art? I don't think that's the answer. I guess it just feels really um, complicated to me, you know, even with the humanity that you present, um, sort of opening up this closed off world and then showing that there is theft behind it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is like, we've been accused of so many horrible things by our enemies. It's almost like, what can we show that wouldn't uh, dabble in that? Is that, well, I guess for, for, you know, the first thing is for season two, like, is there a season two on the road potentially? Like, is there a direction that we can go with this family that maybe has, you know, a, another angle where there's some sort of uh, chuva for them? I'll, I'll let you, Val, answer the season two question in a moment. I'll jump, I, I want to quickly answer this, the first part of the question, and I want to say this. Um, I believe the answer is the amount of representation that we have for these stories in media in general. And I think there needs to be an effort, and, and that effort needs to include not being afraid of tackling, you know, sensitive issues and not feeling that, you know, if you now show a Jew next to, uh, a, you know, a, a suitcase of money, then people are as stupid as assuming that this person wants to steal that money. You know, people have a little bit more sophistication to them, and they have a little bit more of a thought process to them. And what television does, especially, you know, mainstream television and entertaining television, is it, it, it gets you from, from your heart, from your gut. It connects you from the emotion. And emotion is something that people, it overcomes your intellectual, you know, thoughts. Even if you were brought up, uh, you know, thinking anti-Semitic thoughts because this is your upbringing, if you are connected now emotionally to a character, some of these thoughts will, will evaporate eventually. So I, I don't think we need to apologize, uh, not you, Van, and myself, all of us here, um, need to apologize for, you know, telling our stories, for telling each kind of stories that we feel like we, we want to tell. It's just a, a matter of how little representation we have right now. And the fact that we have so little, which it is, which is a problem, leaves us, you know, with these examples that you give. You only have Schlissen, for example. You only have Rough Times, for example. And then, and then you have to, you know, talk about these specific uh, shows. I think it's about time that we kind of raise our heads up and, you know, tell our stories because we have so many wonderful of them. And, and tell them without remorse and without questions. You know, we, we need to be able to, to, to do these things and, and without thinking that the, uh, any turn that we take right or left will, will damage. But, but I would say that I, I would recommend to anyone that doing a show like this in a community that doesn't know if it's Jewish or not to do what we did in terms of uh, consultant. You have to have a lot of consultants, not, not, not even one person, because then you have a, a very specific point of view. 
and we had male consultants and female consultants and and we, we, from the community and um you need people from the script stage during the shooting prepping the actors then looking at, at, the, at the cut you need people telling you uh not only when you're making a mistake but also what would be the right direction here so i in the script stage i would speak to a consultant and say i want you know in terms of the character arc to go to that direction and he would say you know Rosh Hashanah is close to this and this can work and then you have to you, there's there's um when you look for a location for a conversation so my consultant would say there's the kind of like a traffic jam in the mikveh in in Rosh Hashanah so it would be a, a place where people are waiting around and they would have a lot of uh, mikveh and ice, uh, you know the conversations in the mikveh so uh, the, I think that it's very important because as I agree with everything what I'm said but I think that if people would that there is a reckless way to do a show like this that can do uh, some damage. And I also think it won't be as successful. I think that even the people in, you know, Finland, in Finland that are watching the show, they can tell that it's authentic. And you, you just know as a viewer, and I see that when I watch a French show, you can tell when something is just like general international kind of thing or if it's, uh, very specific to the to the location and to the to the community. Now I'll answer that season two question. Um, we specifically wrote the season to have an end uh, because I think it it's it's something that comes from our Israeli experience in Israel when when you're making a show it's all it's first of all it's a one season show and then if it's particularly successful you you can do more. And so you always want to have a, a clear and satisfying ending. And it's also um, because personally, I don't like it when I watch show and I feel like I watched half a season, you know, in terms of the cliffhanger. But we also creatively would love to explore uh, this world more, but it's, in, it's not in our hands to decide if that's happened. that happens or not. But if Netflix decided they want another season, there's uh, a lot. Uh, to be exploring in that world and uh, on any questions definitely um, that can show us you know parts of the family that we didn't get to see we didn't really get to see um, the stories of the children in the family not even Miri Miri Ellie's daughter that got married in the early script stage had a lot a much bigger yeah, the younger generation has a, had a lot of plot lines that we had to cut out, but we were fascinated because they are the one who need to really face the consequences of, you know, the, the, the business kind of like, you know, being in such a turmoil and everything. That's actually, the, the younger generation was so interesting because you have, you have Tommy, uh, who's not a character we've ever seen before, um, who's really interested in his Jewish roots. And so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me throughout the show is the mix of Jewish representation, that you go into the shul and you see that Orthodox people can look any which way. You know, Allison and I don't look the same. We also don't look like Adina. Um, so there's that was really, really interesting. And I'm curious, you know, for about a few things here, like what, why focus on the Hasidic people versus the more modern people like the Spires and the Phobos of the world who have literally never seen what happened, we've never seen those people on screen. We've certainly never seen them as, you know, not minor characters. Why the decision to make Noah ex-Orthodox as opposed to already 
in it? And like, will we see him become more orthodox? Will Tommy convert? Like, you don't have to answer these questions, but I'm curious if you're thinking about all of those possibilities of, of the richness of, you know, how, how one could explore their connection to religion. And if that was like a very, if that was intentional. Well, I think it's two separate ask, uh, questions. I think I, I can answer the Noah question. You can answer the, the versatility. I, I, I can I can ask about the white Hasidic Jews. White Hasidic and also I think because you know there were many different kind of Jews uh, in the show. Yeah. So uh, first of all, about why the Hasidic Jews and let's say not why is non family not just like Fogel, uh, uh, let's let's say. Um, I think a drama is uh, you have to in drama you have to be you're you're going for clarity and you're going for distinction, and I think it's uh, a much clearer story for the audience even if if the audience is Jewish to see the the difference between the way the the, the, the stark difference between the way of life of Noah and his family if they are Hasidic and not just like Noah with a, a keeper you know in, in terms of how it looks from the outside I think it was also important for us to show that it's not all Hasidic Jews so a, a, a more let's say ignorant version of this show would be that every Jew in the show, they all they all look the same, and so it was very important for us to show the spectrum because it's also very evident in Antwerp when we were there, when we we're looking at, when we we're walking around in the district or we're doing research, even when we're going to synagogue, we're seeing that it's not, you know, uh, a one version of of Hasidic Jew, not one version of religious Jew, not we're all pray together there, is and the, the 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 praying together was also something that we saw, and I think it. it that's why it was important for us to show that. And it's not that because uh, Fogel looks, you know, dresses the way he dresses, that they consider him less, and, and, you know, in the scene. That, yeah, that's unique to, to Antwerp, or not unique, maybe specifically to Antwerp, but it is in that when we went there, we, we, we learned this, that they, that they all mixed together in a very cool way, we thought. So it was important for us, only, not only that, in the language uh, issue that we didn't know, everybody there speaks five or six languages, and they mix between the mid-conversation and the... They, they throw little French or Yiddish words inside their Flemish sentences, and we really try to recreate that in the show because it's just so specific to that little community that it was like, you know, for us to try and get that on camera was was really important. And I, and I quickly want, quickly want to say about the Noah character. Noah is an outsider for a good reason because when, even for, you know, especially I would think for the non-Jewish viewers, you need to enter this story through the eyes of, of an outsider from the beginning, from from the get go, and slowly open up your eyes as you uh, as you progress, and 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 that's why Noah for us was a person that you know he is one of them, but he isn't. He was you know uh, one of them, but now he needs to re understand who he is and relearn himself and everything. And his, as his father tells him, he's a person who kind of got lost in the way. So him you know going away for fifteen years and coming back now and learning everything that he learns basically in the beginning of the show. The business going, you know, under the community, the situation the community is in, all of that is something that not only Noah learns, but also the viewer. So it's not only in, in the fact that he's, uh, you know, uh, not practicing his religion, but also by casting Kevin, who doesn't look like classical Jewish in the sense, you know, he's a little bit blonde and stuff like that. We really wanted him to be this regular guy that, you know, comes into the show. And for a moment there, you don't see the connection between him and his family, and you slowly dissolve that disconnection as he starts to mumble the words of the Kaddish by the end of episode one and slowly starts to regain his religion. And, and he, Tommy, his kid, who represents basically naivety in that sense, 
he doesn't understand, you know, his father's resentment to his Judaism. For him, everything is fascinating. For him, a yarmulke is the best thing that can happen. He finds family all of a sudden. You know, he's a he's a boy that lost his mother and, and he wants, you know, these new brothers, sisters, cousins, whoever, you, you know, he, he can see right now. For him, it's just like a, a great thing that happened to him. So, so that was also a tool for us to kind of like, you know, get Noah closer and closer to his roots. I think that's a mm-hmm. very important point about Tommy. And I hope that that came through to you that, we tried to highlight through Tommy the the strength that and the, the the kind of the safety that it gives you as a as a as a child. The fact that this family and this community is the way it is. There is this moment where he's uh, um, brought to the house and they ask him, "Are you sure there's someone here?" And he says, "There's always someone here." And that's the thing that he was craving his entire life. And in that house, there's always someone there. And and, he, and the door is opened by Gila. Doesn't even live there, but that that doesn't matter in this family, right? And, and she would be there, and it's totally normal for her to be there. So there is something that through him you understand that there is this mm-hmm. uh, the thing that for Noah was suffocating, and he had to break through. It's actually very comforting, and and you can also feel very safe in that. And so it's not one thing that that. Uh, you know the the fact that the the family is the way it is. And it was also important for us to see that to 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 show that the you know the acceptance of the fact that you know Tommy is not even Jewish you know by law of Judaism, and he's accepted in this family immediately. So you know Ezra the grandfather does have a moment of 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 weakness in that or or it takes him a couple of moments, but the women of the family immediately you know accept him for for their own family. They just immediately want him to be you know a part of this tribe because. You know, for them, the fact that he is the son of Noah means that he is their grands, uh, the grandson of uh, uh, Sarah. So for them, you know, that that just that's just the way it is. It has nothing to do with Judaism. Yeah. So it was important for us to show that this is, you know, unacceptable for Ezra in the beginning. He had to say that, and you know, that's also something that our consultant said. And he has to, you know, object that to say on that Goish um, grandson. But um, we. We also had this thing that we didn't uh, put in the in the season eventually, and maybe it will be part of season two if we have one about uh, converting Tommy. It was we we had a scene where they talk where they talk about with uh, Noah and I didn't ask him about that, and he that really pisses him off. You know, eventually <laughs> it wait it wasn't you know right. We didn't need it. So it was a part of Noah's kind of like uh, voice by saying, but why are you being so pushy? You can't immediately just, you know, take this boy and make him like Jewish just because you feel like he's a part of the family. So it kind of, and it pushed him away. It was this like back and forth situation when Noah, you know, feels closer to them. But then he's like, oh, now I remember why I even left, you know? So it was a part of that journey. I also have, there is this kind of like a familiar story of someone that's living the religion. And then, you know, the religion is immediately, it's just, painted as, as bad and all it, all the character does is just escape and escape like escape more and more until it breaks free let's say and and it was uh, important and interesting for us to kind of do it the other way around it's not like Noah is is is, is really doing the other the direction fully but it is slowly going in that direction you, you, you know if we mentioned the Kaddish at the end of episode one we know what happens and at the end of episode three, when he opens the book, you know, for the first time, and uh, and and no, spo- I won't spoil it, but where it ends. So um, I think it's also something that's worth, uh, you know, thinking of for the audience that it can be, uh, it can be well religion and this this 
type of religion can be also welcoming and also can be a place that you're going back to and not only, you know, breaking free from. As someone who is really sick of the ex-Orthodox story, I have to tell you, you kind of got me with this one a little bit um, because it's always so tired, same tropes of breaking free, trying to get away. There was a little bit of that with like the tattoo of the wings, but he was a really complex character with, you know, praying again. Um, and especially, you know, his son got to sort of show the audience, these are all the beautiful things that to see was in this community. And we never get that view. And my personal background was being raised as kind of like Masorati and judging the, you know, Dati community, the Faredi community. And so, um, you know, the work that we've done in this organization is about showing the humanity and positivity. Um, and, you know, I think you really achieved that uh, on so many different levels. And, and hearing you even explain that sense of stability and warmth um, that you aimed for, it, it certainly came through. Um, something that Cindy and I also noticed in terms of, um, you know, just representation that we loved was uh, the feminism behind some of the characters, uh, the matriarch, Sarah, um, Adina as well. They're outspoken. They stand up for themselves. Adina's a leader. Um, where did that character come from? I mean, those are the Orthodox women that I think Cindy and I know, um, you know, we, we just basically took on Hollywood, um, in the last year. Um, so, but we never see that really. Usually the Orthodox woman is, you know, kind of quiet and demure and, you know, does as she's told. Um, so were there any real life examples that uh, gave you the sort of impetus for creating these characters? Uh, you, do you want to quickly say what the week? About the wings, no, I just I wanted to mention that he, 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 there's a, like uh, awareness with the wing tattoo. He, he kind of jokes about it, that it's actually idiotic. So it's not like he's, he's really behind the... No, it's more than that, because in that point, Gila looks at those wings and she hopes that he will say they represent freedom. So he says that, and then for her, it says, oh, yeah, that's what I feel. I want to break out. But then he says, but actually, I figured out just I'm doing it because I wanted like to rebel and do something that is, is you know... Uh, not allowed and then it kind of takes away takes out the air from her own kind of journey you know so the wings was like a like almost like a double meaning uh you know in that sense it was like supposed to be that but it's actually the exact other way around um i i just want to quickly say and 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 that's not to say that that that's exactly what the character was based upon but adina is my aunt and uh, my aunt is called adina and my my cousin my uh my uncle is called north and they are my religious uh side of the family so uh, I had my, my aunt that I love very much, and he, she's a very kind, open-minded, uh, religious woman that I've known all my life. Um, she and her husband, David, uh, originally uh, the Wolfsons were called the Wagners because David, his last name is Wagner. So I kind of wanted them to be, you know, at least uh, mentioned in name because I really love the way that they practice religion. Uh, to spend the Shabbat at their house, is not irregular. I mean, I, you know, it's not like I have so many points of comparison, but, you know, they, all the kids come back, you know, the kids are not grown uh, with their, with their par partners. And there's, um, there's this, that's just very intense feeling of, of joy and family and warmth when you spend the Shabbat with them. And Adina is a very big part of that for me. So if, if, so I, if I did have a little bit of a role model, it's, it's her. Yeah, I think I think we we started with Autumn's inspiration for that character that he already kind of he jotted it on the page that that character, and uh, I think that 
what you're responding to with the way you know she she's uh, central and leading in the story is it came from uh, you know it was it was very important for us to have a, a character that is the you know when you have someone like Noah and Ellie on both sides you want someone that can unite everyone and someone that can be the sensible one and uh, uh, I think it, it fitted the uh, uh, character of a woman uh, the best I think that we felt like uh, in this dynamic she would be the one that's not you know uh, motivated by kind of ego like uh, these two that were fighting you know as they were growing up and uh, it was important for us to show that there are women in this business that are you know, in, in this community that are um, you know important and that are uh, part of uh, the leadership let's say despite the fact that it, it's in reality in very small numbers I think that it's one of those cases where you want to highlight even the 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 the, the, the small the, the small number of cases uh, because uh, uh, it, it is important also for the you know for the for the viewer for the audience to see something like that. But it was also important that Adina isn't just like a businesswoman. You know, she is she, her business instincts and her ability to kind of like Yuval said you know overcome these these kind of like fights between her brothers is because she is first and foremost a family-oriented person and her family is the most important thing for her you know so there'll be little moments that she has with Shmulik her husband you know um, that, that you can see that you know she, she, she moves forward with the business part of her life because she understands the importance of that business for her family and not because she's like motivated by becoming uh, you know a bigger business person and everything and that's I think a female quality in the business world, you know, to understand your position at all times and not kind of be distracted or motivated by, you know, power, uh, you know, what I call that, the state, stamina, you know, kind of like moving up in the world and stuff like that. That's, sorry, status. So, so, so I think that's, that's a representation that we're looking for. You know, a, a strong female character is not necessarily the character that can overrun uh, you know, no. the, the male character is next to her, but it's actually a character that always remembers where she's coming from and what she really, you know, wants out of it, this life. And she has, a, she has a lot of agency, which is just so nice to see. Like, she's so open-minded. She really makes a lot of decisions. I think Gila is a character that Allison and I had totally different experiences of, which I think is a testament to the, to the writing and to the show that different people could watch it and come away with completely different feelings. And I, I don't want to spoil anything but I'm, I'm curious you know my take is that Gila also has a lot of agency and that she feels very she makes choices and they're not the choices the viewer expects or maybe not the choices she expects but ultimately she decides for herself what's most important for her in surprising ways and Allison's take I don't want to put words in your mouth but it's a little bit more like she is uh trapped and she represents being trapped and she wants to get out and she has no agency because she's not able to, to you know, have those wings of freedom. Um, so is it intentionally vague? Is one of us right? Like, settle this debate for us. Is there money on the Right? I uh, personally, I know if even Autumn and I will not. I personally don't think she's trapped. I think that... Uh, she is uh, constantly making choices, and I think that she's uh, not sure. 
uh, at a lot of different points in the season. She's not sure. She's confused because she, up until a point, never considered even, let's say, other options, uh, uh, leaving the community or anything like that. I think that Noah, because of her love to him and her, and her complex feelings towards him, uh, makes make, uh, everything more confusing to her. And then, you know, uh, she does something, she breaks out a little from from what she, the rules of her community, and it some, suddenly it feels good, but she, it also feels wrong the next day. And then she has to make a choice, which maybe we won't spoil her decision, but she has to make a choice between um, staying in this community or not. And I think that both uh, answers could have, happened and she could have chosen uh, differently and I think that um, uh, it's uh, it's it's a very true to life character in the sense that we're not all you know either the uh, that you know trope of uh, the trapped character that all she she knows that this is all you know lies and I want to break through and I'm in a prison or the other way around it's not like everyone is totally content with where they are. She's looking outside and it's interesting, but is it really what she wants? I have to say that I really remember vividly a moment in the writing process that I think for us was kind of like the moment where we, we I, I, I kind of think that we realized how independent of a thinker Gilai really is, is when, uh, again, not to spoil anything, but it's when she realizes something that Noah doesn't realize in, on his own. She sees in, like, she, she kind of sees and understands his psyche more than him. And then she explains it to him, right? At the and, end. and that moment for us was, you know, I remember in the writing process, we had to kind of like go through that moment and everything. But, but by, by doing that, we kind of said that the control is in her hands in that sense. Because if she sees, you know, him even better than himself, if she understands the situation even better than him, then she has the upper hand. It doesn't really matter what she decides after that. It, it, it means that she has insight, you know? And that makes her... Which is it. It's a Jewish quality for women that women have been us. So uh, you followed kind of a traditional approach yeah. to that. Um, there's really so many layers to this and a lot of thoughtfulness. And, you know, I'm I'm really grateful that this type of thought and care is going into, uh, you know, television making around Jewish characters. Um, in terms of future seasons, we already mentioned, like, you know, the conversion or uh, Chuba story that I think Cindy and I might be interested to see. Another thing that um, I would love for you to consider is showing romance and love between a married religious couple. I think we see so little of that. We see, you know, kind of the fear around arranged dating. And, you know, I think people in general kind of look at religious Jews and think that they're so trapped. And I don't actually want to see immodesty on the screen, but there's a certain energy that couples have as they're waiting, counting down to their mikvah night um, to reconnect that I think could be something so delicious to capture on screen, just sort of like, you know, how many days left or, you know, um, just kind of a look uh, or a door closing. Um, you know, I felt that was actually a moment of that and fill the void before a door closed that yeah. like was so unusual. So just sort of some ideas of for the future, um, I guess, in terms of another closing point, um, I appreciate that you are hoping that the audience is intelligent and hopefully some people are. I will just share with you that one of my good friends who saw Stissel believed that a 16 year old marriage is literally happening in these circles. And I had to explain to her that was just television. 
I met a woman a couple nights ago at a speaking engagement where she said, a woman said to her, how does the hole in the sheet work when you're having sex? And she said, we don't do that. And she said, but I saw it on TV. Yes, you do. And the woman's like, no, we don't actually do that. Yeah. So like, I hope people are smart, but maybe not everyone is as smart. Um, and I guess just like the final message I want to give over to our listeners, just like listen to this, notice this, the criminals in real life in the Jewish community inspired the crime story of this. Adina, the aunt, who's warm and accepting and loving, inspired the positive character. And we all actually have agency about how we're going to represent uh, Judaism and Torah to the world and to uh, people telling our stories. So that's a little bit of a take home to you. Um, thank you so much for this conversation. It was really edifying for me and to kind of get a, a sort of behind the scenes look into the process that uh, you guys are involved in. And I feel really good to know that it was thoughtful um, and um, and complex um, and that you, you know, are concerned about the same things that we are. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was really wonderful. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye. Bye.